All right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan and Marcelo. Hello, everyone. Josh. How's it going, everyone? And Austin. Hey, everybody. And we have a special treat for you all today. We have a special guest. I'll give a brief introduction and then let him say hello. So today's special guest is a good friend of ours from undergrad. He graduated from Carson Newman University in Tennessee in 2018. He was a nationally ranked debate champion, so it was no surprise, at least to me, that he went on to law school. And he currently attends George Washington University Law School, set to graduate up for hire in spring of 2022. How are you doing today, David? Hi there. I'm doing great. Great to see everybody again. <laughs> Good to see you too. All right, we're going to go ahead and we've got a, the reason we brought David on today is because we're covering a topic where he has significantly more knowledge. We wanted you to hear it straight from the expert's mouth, so to speak. Uh, we're going to be talking about NFTs or non-fungible tokens. David, you got anything to say before we get started? Sure. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys about all this today. Just before we get into it, I have to say two things. First, nothing I say should be counted as legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a law student. If you wanted to talk to a lawyer, you'd have to go hire one. Secondly, anything I say today should be reflected as my own opinion, not that of any employer I've ever had. So don't blame them for anything dumb that I say today. Come after him. And what's what's the address they can come after you for David, if they don't like what you say? Oh, no comments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good yeah. practice. All right. So I'm going to hand it over to Austin for the first question. We'll kind of do a round robin question style. Uh, Austin, take it away. All right. So I'll have the first question today. People have probably heard of NFTs like, you know, in passing in the news or just if you're even breathing on the internet, you probably bumped into it at some point. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, you know, what is an NFT? Um, David, would you mind explaining that for us? Sure. So an NFT, to use an example of something we're all a little bit more familiar with. It's a lot like crypto, but there are some important differences. So when we're looking at crypto, we're looking at things that are all the same. They're very analogous to currency, just like how $1 bill is the same as any other dollar bill you could find. The difference with an NFT is that no two NFTs are alike. So they're tokens in the same way that a Bitcoin's a token, but they're all unique. They're one of a kind. And they can also be different things. So like instead of a dollar bill using the, the Bitcoin example, um, an NFT could be something like a an online piece of art. It could be music, uh, but whatever it is, it's something that only the owner of the NFT has access to. So it's an it's a unique online token that only the user has access to and has ownership. Wasn't uh, the the creator of Twitter? Uh, didn't he have like a signature that became like an NFT or something like that? I think he had like his first tweet. He yep. made oh, okay. into an NFT. I think he archived it. Okay, so something like that is what we're dealing with here. Something unique that that can't be replicated or duplicated in any way. Yeah, yeah. It's like internet lore, original memes, uh, online artwork, special songs, all stuff like that could be made into an NFT. I'm going to have to uh, clarifying uh, here because when we're talking about like this original tweet, so does that mean, David, that the, the original tweet is no longer accessible or what does it mean to have an NFT of that original tweet with, you know, it's still kind of even, you know, floating around on the internet, even as in, in you know, image forms before it was made into an NFT? It would also be the same if you like were to have an NFT of say an original meme or something like that. Of course, other people would be able to see it. I think what you own is the associated metadata as well as like a link to actually access that metadata. It would be the same is saying like, I could own a replica of the Mona Lisa, but I of course don't own the Mona Lisa, or I could go and look at the Mona Lisa, but I don't own the Mona Lisa. So it's those intangible properties. Well, no, they're not things that you necessarily see. They're things that do exist and give you sort of a, a right to ownership that's unique and that, you know, certain people really respect. To me so far, this all sounds like 
collector value. Like, like you use the Mona Lisa as an example. So, and you compared it art to memes to other things. But um, I guess my question is like, in terms of their significance, is there any use to them other than just like buying them and holding them for value? Yes and no. So the, the most obvious use of them is to hold on to say, like basically an internet collectible. It's the street cred you would get with that, et cetera. The other use, NFTs do have monetary value. Some NFTs are part of like a set, like you can look at crypto kitties, something like that, where you've got like a hierarchy of things and some things are more rare than others. And all these NFTs have some monetary value. If you were doing something like that, you could look to sell less valuable NFTs to get more valuable NFTs or to sell all your NFTs and take crypto and convert that crypto to cash. So while the primary use is as a collectible, there are some ways to make uh, money off NFTs. People have to be kind of careful with that though, because what you don't want is for NFTs to become a form of security because then the SEC would step in, they would regulate, and suddenly what has been a very open market in NFTs would become a very highly regulated market of NFTs. So just kind of drawing on the idea of the market then, do these hold, I know that a lot of times people diversify into stocks or gold and silver and, and other monetary things. I guess, is this secure, not as secure, good idea, bad idea to invest into? I mean, I, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. As far, I'll, I'll start with how good an investment are they? How long-term do you think they'll last? They're as secure an investment as the confidence in them. They sort of work the same way as a cryptocurrency in that sense, right? Like a cryptocurrency, it's not tied to the full faith and credit of the United States government. It's not tied to gold. It just is what it is. And its value is reflected in the value people ascribe to it. And NFTs are much the same way. If everybody collectively decided that NFTs weren't worth anything, they wouldn't be worth anything. But at the moment, we see that people are very confident in NFTs and as well as other crypto. It's a great new market. As long as that confidence stays high and people are still willing to ascribe value to that, it Will reflect that value back, even though intrinsically it is of no value. So I guess it's not a super, it's not a stable investment in the sense that that could easily change, but it's also a stable investment in the sense that the internet and internet culture seems to be here to stay. So it doesn't seem likely that those NFTs, those crypto will lose all of their value, even though it's not clear whether they will always have the same value they do today. And if anything, it sounds as much of a reasonable investment as crypto and, and things like that. And people have been calling the death of those for years. So like, I, at least to me, it does sound crazy, but you know, if I get called crazy and I make millions of dollars, then yeah, sure, I can give, I can be crazy. So David, you mentioned before that NFTs are pretty similar to cryptocurrency. And if I understand right, what they have in common is this blockchain technology. And there are a few things that blockchain does, but how does that uniquely benefit NFTs here? And what does that technology provide? So the, the great thing about having a blockchain associated with an NFT is that you will always be able to prove ownership of that NFT. A blockchain, I, I often think of things in terms of because both my parents were accountants. So a blockchain is basically a virtual ledger upon which entries are made, except unlike a paper and pencil ledger where you can erase an entry, this digital ledger doesn't work that way. You can't erase the, the entry that's made. So at the point that you create an NFT, it becomes an entry on that blockchain. And then any movement of that NFT, whether it's a transfer of ownership or you give it as a gift to someone, that's recorded on that blockchain and it is unalterable. So even though it might be difficult to describe who owns say a real physical collectible just because chains of ownership can get complicated you're always going to be able to say definitively that you own an nft because of the blockchain entries so would that be similar then to like the watermark on some of our u.s currency then uh 
I mean, yes and no. I, a watermark's not really unique to a single dollar bill, whereas the NFTs would all be unique okay. among themselves. But like if every dollar bill looked a little bit different and also contained the watermark, then yes, it would. It, the analogy would track them, I think. And I think the analogy can be fixed like it's a combination of the watermark and the serial number on the bill. Yeah, I think that works as well. I, I would get behind that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me then. So with these being a one-off and with the main track through blockchain, would you, I don't know, this might be a little bit more of a technical computer engineer type question, but would you be at more of a risk of having that stolen as opposed to an unsecured crypto wallet? Or since there's such a chain of ownership tracking, would people say like, hey, that person, you know, we don't see a transaction has happened for that NFT. Something weird happened. Is, is there really a risk? So- uh, let me let me just say your question back to you, make sure I got it right here. What I'm understanding you to ask is like, if someone stole your NFT, like somehow transferred ownership away from you to them without a transaction having occurred, uh, wouldn't that be bad because the blockchain also records that transaction? Is that what you're going for? Sure, we can even take it into a route. Would there be, I guess, legal ramifications for that? Well, I mean, the law in this area is still developing. I, I would really have to look into it. I mean, I assume like, even though it's on the internet, theft is theft. But I, I actually think the blockchain makes things more secure and that even if they took it and they didn't take money, because there's always a blockchain entry, you can see where it went. So it's like, if you say, oh, I didn't sell it to this person, they hacked in and stole it, or this person got it without me intending to give it to them. Well, in the real world, one of the hardest things about finding stolen goods is actually physically finding the stolen goods. In the NFT world, because of the blockchain, there's going to be that ledger that shows that it changed hands and shows where it went. Now, I'm sure there are some techie ways to disguise that, and I'm sure there are definitely ways of stealing NFTs. But at least, at least in a basic sense, I do think the, the blockchain ledger is actually pretty secure and that you can trace. So this is something I've always found to be one of the more ethereal aspects of cryptocurrency um, and NFTs. So I'll, I'll pitch it to you, David. Where is the blockchain? So you have an NFT and its blockchains exist. I keep a PDF of my paper on my computer, but where's the blockchain? The blockchain is on, I mean... I guess the question like, where is the internet, right? Um, to the extent there is a physical location where the blockchain is, it would be on servers, usually the Ethereum servers, because most NFTs are on the Ethereum blockchain. As far as the physical location of the Ethereum servers, I don't know offhand where they are, but that would be where the, the blockchain lives, I guess. In the magic place of the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cloud. So kind of, I guess, tying this back to Austin's questions, then what happens if like, I'm assuming it's more secure than just the cloud, but like, you know, we see stuff leaked, celebrities, photos and stuff gets leaked. Like, is that a risk concern? Do we know uh, <laughs> like the security threat that might happen there if it were to be leaked? If an NFT, uh, I assume you're saying like if the NFT got leaked, not if if like the blockchain or something like that somehow got leaked. But yeah, yeah if an NFT was stolen, I mean... Yeah, it would it would definitely create problems. That's uh, one of the things that I'm very interested in, actually, is how do we protect these NFTs once we purchase them, especially as they increase in price. But yeah, if an NFT was stolen, you would definitely have a problem because, well, you know, what I often worry about more than if an NFT is stolen is if you lose access to it somehow. So like you usually have a link that takes you to your NFT and that's how you access it. What if that link becomes broken or what if you lose that link? Those are often what I am more concerned about than the actual theft of the NFT. Uh, just I haven't heard of that many cases of it. But yeah, 
if someone were to somehow steal your NFT and disguise where they moved it to on the blockchain or leak it out there, then it could become a problem. The difference being though, with a celebrity like photo that becomes leaked, the sensitive part of what becomes leaked is the image that is the photo. With an NFT, the sensitive thing would be like the actual underlying metadata. So it, it would be a little bit different in the sense like they could see the NFT, but they still wouldn't have the value of the NFT because they don't have all that data. And I don't know how you would leak the metadata to everyone because it seems like only one person could have that at a time. So David, I guess my next question is how are NFTs acquired? I know that like with Bitcoin, you can mine for Bitcoin. I still don't quite, you know, I'm not quite familiar with that process, but how are NFTs acquired? So the process of acquiring an NFT, it's it's pretty simple. You would buy it the same way that you you like buy a Bitcoin from someone else. How it comes into creation in the first place is the first person who wants the NFT is going to mint it. And what that means is that they're going to take whatever data they want to form into their NFT, and they're going to put it into Ethereum or somewhere like that and create an associated blockchain entry, thus tokenizing it. And that token that they have created is their, is their NFT. So I guess the difference between Bitcoin and an NFT as far as creation goes is the the Bitcoin you can't just create on command because you'd have to mine for it. Anybody could make anything that they wanted to on the internet into an NFT more more or less at any time. Um, so you could you could always acquire an NFT and that there is theoretically at least an infinite number of them that would be for sale. So they're, they're definitely easier to acquire than Bitcoin. The thing that makes NFTs interesting is how the really valuable ones end up getting their value in the long run, rather than just how any old NFT that were minted would come about into existence. So does that mean I could go create an NFT of someone else's intellectual property? Theoretically, yes. I mean, can you and is it legal are two different questions. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. um, my my off-the-cuff guess is that it's probably not legal to make an NFT of someone else's intellectual property. And if they found you doing it, it wouldn't be a great day for you. But as far as could you do it? Yeah, um, the the process of actually minting the NFT isn't really isn't really regulated. It's more on the the individual minter. And of course, if you're setting out to create an NFT of someone else's intellectual property, it's probably not going to stop you from creating an NFT that it's someone else's intellectual property. So since we're going down the path of hypotheticals, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we all have access to our Twitter accounts, so we can all do that. And so theoretically, any one of us could take that tweet and and mint it. What happens then if we each did that, and there's then duplicates at that point. Does it just kind of get sorted out like a patent where first come, first serve it was minted? Or maybe I'm misunderstanding this entirely. See, are you all are you all doing it with your own individual tweets? Or are you all doing it with like the same tweet? Let's say we did it with the same tweet. The same tweet from Ryan. Okay. We're all minting a, a Ryan, one of Ryan's tweets. Which will be super and valuable. And, <laughs> we'll, we'll, and let's spice it up and say we're each doing it on a different blockchain as well. If you all did it on a different blockchain, then I think that would be the best case scenario. Because let's say that four different people buy Ryan's tweet on four different blockchains. There's still only four there are four unique owners of a unique NFT in the sense that your blockchains can't be, uh, you can't transfer between blockchains. So even though there are four of them, in the sense that they're on different blockchains, it's like they're in different worlds entirely. If they were all on the same blockchain, they would all be different NFTs in a technical sense, but like in content, they would be all the same. And really what it would probably do is like water down the value of that NFT, right? Like Ryan's tweet, if there's only one copy 
copy of it, probably going to be super duper valuable. But once you got four copies of Ryan's tweets out there, well, now if I'm looking at this as a collector of NFTs, then I don't have something that's as valuable because there are more of them and more people also have them, which is why it would be troubling if someone were to start making NFTs out of your stuff and you also wanted to make NFTs out of them because they could really drive the price of your NFT market down. A lot of interesting stuff going on here. And like, I think a big reason for it is because this market is so new, there's not really any regulation. Like, I think the technology has advanced a lot faster than laws in this area have. And it's something that I think that federal lawmakers, honestly, should probably get involved with at some point. Uh, but it's going to take someone a lot smarter than me to figure out exactly how to regulate all this. Is this also where we could talk about your experience or like, did you have, uh, did you work in, in, in any of this and like in what capacity? So a lot of the work I did is legal work. So I can't talk about a lot of the legal work that I did in detail. I can say that I did a project that related to NFTs. Uh, well, not even that related to NFTs. It was about NFTs. Um, as a result, I produced work on NFTs. I did a lot of research in NFTs. I don't own any myself, but I had to become pretty conversant in this issue. It's sort of like in debate how you get a lot of different topics. And so you have to look at all those different topics, know them inside and out, try to become like a, a quick expert in that topic. This was one of the projects that I was working on had to do with NFTs. So I had to become a, a quick expert in NFTs. Maybe I should go to law school. That, that's, that's, that sounds like fun. Is there anything like in your research in NFTs, like coming from, you know, before maybe a passing knowledge of NFTs and now, is there anything that surprised you that something that you didn't know and you were like, oh, you know, maybe more people should know about this? I think what surprised me the most about NFTs is how interesting I think they are in the artistic sense. I didn't really know about online art before I started looking at NFTs, but you know, if you had said, oh, there's online art and there's physical art, I would have just thought, okay, well, they're both just types of art. So they've got to be pretty much the same. I think that online art raises its own forms of challenges, especially in regards to moral rights. So when we look at physical rights, there's this thing called the Visual Artist Rights Act uh, that I know about because it came up in our first year law school courses. And basically, artists have all these rights in their art that they sell, like they have the right to keep it from being mutilated, destroyed, etc., What would happen if you bought an NFT that was an online work of art for the sole purpose of losing the link that's associated with it so that no one could ever access it again? What if you did that to your competitors just to, just to shut them down? You bought all their NFTs and you've lost all the links so that no one could access them anymore. I What would happen if you made an NFT of an NFT of someone else's work of art? I just think that the art implications here are very interesting and that not a lot of people are worried about them. Because not a lot of people are artists, but I feel like we're going to see a, a DC movie about Lex Luthor now coming out and buying people's NFTs to then lose them and drive down his competitors. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my first idea. It was just like, wow, what if I was artist A and artist B was over here competing against me and we were both relatively cheap art? I'd buy up all their art, and get rid of the links. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. The you you mentioned like the like the rights of the artists. And that they have the right to for their art not to be mutilated. So this is new. This is news to me, obviously, because I don't know anything about art. But so you can't buy somebody's art and then destroy it. Yeah, you're not supposed to be able to. Um, artists, really, the way this came about, this was not a thing in the United States until probably the last 
20 years. But in the in the European Union, in Europe, where a lot of artists are, they had what was known as the Burn Convention. And they started ascribing like moral rights to the artists saying that like, oh, yeah, you can buy like famous person A's art, but famous person A's art has like cultural importance. And it's a thing that we want to preserve. And so they give artists the right to basically preserve their work, keep it from being destroyed, keep it from being mutilated. And so the Visual Artists Rights Act was the United States attempt to codify these moral rights that artists have so yeah you can't you can't like buy a work of art destroy it i mean the the other thing i would think is you can probably contract around everything so like if you put in the contract i'm buying your art to light it on fire and the artist was cool with selling it to you anyway then yeah you could you could probably do it but as as a general rule unless you do something like that uh when you sell art while you have the property rights the the artist would maintain their their moral rights does that only extend to original works and not say like a likeness? Like if I bought a yes. Mona Lisa and burned it, that wouldn't hold the same legal ramifications. I'm not advocating for that to happen or saying that I would do that. I'm don't, just... don't burn it. Give it to me. <laughs> I'm just tossing it out as, as, as a likeness as opposed to an original piece. I mean, just as I am not a lawyer, I'm definitely not an art lawyer. Um, but my, my understanding of it from when, when I was working with the statute as a 1L is that it only applies to the original work of art. So you could buy a bunch of postcards with the Mona Lisa on them and burn them, no problem. I think like, I think technically it applies to works of visual art and that works of visual art are defined as original pieces that are either unique or of a limited series, meaning under a hundred. Now that that's cleared up, I have my plans to stay warm. So I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, like the differences between NFTs versus cryptocurrency. So just completely frivolous thought exercise. Let's say we go back to all minting Ryan's tweets individually. If we got enough people to do that, when does that line get crossed between like these NFTs have become their own market, making them somewhat akin to a cryptocurrency? Is there, I don't know, can you kind of go into some of the specific differences that would illuminate that a little bit? Sure. So an, an actual analogous situation that I can imagine would be something like NBA Top Shots, where the NBA basically turned a lot of their highlights into NFTs and you can own them. Um, and I think what would happen with Ryan's tweets is it would eventually become something like Top Shots, like, oh, you can buy this prime Ryan tweet over here for like eight Bitcoin. But like this run of a mill that there's a ton of copies of, that's a, that's a cheaper NFT altogether. So theoretically... It, it would just become like basically its own trading part card game, kind of like kind of like Pokemon. Like, I don't know of any Pokemon card that there's only one of in existence, but I know of quite a few very valuable Pokemon cards. But you could also just buy a pack of Pokemon cards at the store for like five bucks. So it, it would become basically its own self-contained market where the value is ascribed by the rareness of the individual tweet within the series. So what I'm hearing is we've potentially found a way to finance this show so we can go full time. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you guys should be. Honestly, if you wanted to make some money, I don't think it'd be a bad idea to do like some audio files that were more private, that were not on the public show and take the data from those, turn them into an NFT. And then fans could buy that to have an exclusive part of the show that wasn't available to the public. The secret hotter takes. <laughs> you too can own your this own little Ryan virtually. <laughs> This, this is the process of commodification that I just love about capitalism. I, I think that NFTs actually have a lot of uh, have a lot of untapped potential. Like I think there is something to be said for tying an NFT to something like a voting right. So like using the NFT as a token and possession of that token lets you do something in the real world. Like let's say we all owned a tree outside. If we could tokenize some data 
and that data gave you a voting right in the tree, we could sell that to 100 people and let 100 people vote on if we're going to chop the tree down. And if you feel passionately about that, you could buy 51 NFTs and ensure that whatever you wanted to happen, happened. But meanwhile, the person who owns the trees over here raking it in. So in a sense, you're almost creating like a, a stock market of sorts, like a market share just for for something else that's a that's possibly even a physical commodity. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the thing that you definitely don't want to start saying around a lot of NFT people, because that's where you get into the realm of like, should the Securities and Exchange Commission come and regulate this? And, and if they do, I think the market changes entirely. So it's almost like what I think the best use of an NFT is, is a lot of, what a lot of NFT enthusiasts absolutely do not want to happen to <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> so then in a sense, the market seems at its best right now and has the most interest because it is so laissez-faire, so left alone by different entities. Yeah, and I, I think that ascribes a lot of like the, the cryptocurrency, a lot of things like that. Think about who participates in them. It's generally not your, your white collar, does a lot of Wall Street trading person. It's people who know a lot about the internet who are very involved in internet culture. And so for them, NFTs, cryptocurrency, it's almost like it's their currency or it's their version of a collectible. Whereas I would rather go out and buy a Ferrari, they might rather buy the original Doge meme. Like that could be something that's viewed as very valuable in that community. So I think what's super interesting about NFTs is because they've been able to draw people in who aren't traditionally part of that online marketplace, that crypto marketplace, how do those two cultures collide? Now that you have more mainstream culture mixing with more traditional purist internet culture. So hypothetically, <laughs> is there anything that the collective community could do to help preserve what they prefer. So for example, if enough people took on David's ideas, technically they could be overrun. But is there anything that the current people who like it the way it is, is there anything they could do to prevent that from happening or like uproot themselves and move away to a sanctuary or, or something? I don't know. Uh, I mean, the one that, the obvious one, they could move outside the jurisdiction of the United States. <laughs> but um, in more concretely, what I think you would do is try to make your product so unique that it is not like the sort of product that I am talking about. Like, for example, if they all just made online art and they were all unique pieces of online art and it was only used as art, then you could easily write a regulation that's like, well, if people do what David's talking about, we're going to regulate that. But if we look at your NFT and we're like, oh, it's the Mona Lisa or, oh, it's... Um, some very, I forget the guy's name. There's actually a pretty famous artist who sold an NFT of his work for like millions of dollars, but it's like, you know, that's clearly not the same thing. So I think the key to avoiding regulation, if you are those internet purists, if you want to keep it pure is to somehow find a way to make what you are doing and making an NFT completely unlike a security like NFT. So it's not something that can easily be liquidated and sold for value. It's not something that you would only buy because you expect to make money off it. It's that pure collectible. So I guess I was functioning under the assumption that these were similar to Bitcoin in that they had not necessarily a tie to a single currency. Like Bitcoin can be used internationally because it is internet currency that transcends specific market, you know, dollars, yen, whatever. Is NFT similar to that or no? Um, I think the answer to that is it depends. Okay. And NFT is similar to that in the sense that it can transcend markets. Um, you can be the owner of an online collectible here. And as long as whoever you want to sell it to is on the same blockchain as you, you can do it. Where it's different is that 
you don't want your NFT to look like a security. So it needs to be something that you don't just own for the monetary value or because you expect it to be worth more in the future. Um, if you want to keep NFTs unregulated, if you want them to be pure, they need to be, they need to look a lot like collectibles and they should be treated as a collectible. So like I'm a big baseball fan. I have a Pete Rose baseball card that's signed by Pete Rose that I really like. I keep it like in my room. It's like laminated. Well, it's not laminated, but it's in like this plastic thing. It's great. The reason that I own that is not that I could probably get a couple hundred bucks for it on the street. The reason I own it is because I like it. And one day, yeah, if I need the money or I stop liking Pete Rose or I stop watching baseball, maybe I'll sell it for a couple hundred bucks. But I think there's a clear interest or there's a clear difference between that and say buying a stock in Apple because it's worth $35 now. And I think it'll go up to $40 in a few months. It's buying for the sake of collecting rather as buying for the sake of flipping late or because of any like voting right or something like that, that your, your thing you're buying would give you. Now, we, their NFTs and cryptocurrencies are produced in two different ways. One is minted, the other is mined. And a lot of the criticism cryptocurrency has faced is like the energy draw and you know consumption of global compute power that it takes to mine cryptocurrencies. So for, in your opinion, does like, do NFTs offer an advantage in this way um, for the environment, for the compute power used and how they use and access the blockchain? Or is this just as intensive as a process? Yeah, it's just as intensive because it, because it exists on the blockchain. It uses the blockchain in the same way. It contributes to the same type problems. I, I wish the answer was uh, no, it's a lot better for the environment, but no, in reality, they get criticized the same way. Uh, if anything, I think NFT producers get criticized even more. And I'm not entirely sure why, because it seems like at least theoretically to me, they should use about the same amount of energy and create about the same amount of environmental problems. Uh, but yeah, the the problems of the blockchain with the environment extend to NFTs. That's sort of like what I was going to ask too, is because if we were going to talk about a controversy, the, the biggest controversy around NFTs that I've seen, besides the fact that they're selling like tweets as currency, is that they, since they use the same technology that a cryptocurrency does, they also affect the environment in a big way because of the servers, you know, where they live in and everything. And from my perspective, it does seem like a lot of use of energy that it is very similar to what crypto has done before. I don't have an answer on why they're more more hated, um, but uh, I think equally as hated sounds about right. And my best guess is probably new kid on the block syndrome. They're they're the hot new thing. They get you a bunch of clicks if you write about it. So if you can either write about the problems that crypto causes on the blockchain or the problems that NFTs cause on the blockchain, right now you're going to write the write about the problems that NFTs cause on the blockchain because you want all those hits. But that is just shooting from the hip. So I suppose kind of going along the same vein as problems, uh, do you have any specific security threats or other threats that you have in mind that might come from this? Um, specifically, like if, is, is there a threat to maybe the destabilization of the United States currency if these things take off bigger than they are and like, I don't know, anything along those lines? I I don't think so. And the reason why is... I mean, first off, theoretically, you're using an NFT as a collectible, which is going to undermine that risk. But even assuming that we were trying to use an NFT as a straight up form of Bitcoin or something that we could easily exchange, I think the thing that matters the most is that ultimately, if you're looking to monetize your crypto, what you're looking to do is convert your crypto into dollars or into euros or into some form of currency that exists. Even as these things become more popular, they're never going to become like the currency of the United States federal government because they're not the government's currency. 
And at the end of the day, it means something to have the full faith and credit of the United States government behind you or knowing that the government's going to recognize this and take it as a form of payment. So even if a ton of people got into crypto, I don't think it's going to destabilize the the government or the dollar or anything like that. The dollar is just too entrenched. And I think its value comes from something else. Crypto's value is a perceived value. And technically the US dollar's value is a perceived value as well, but it's grounded in that tangible nation. Whereas crypto's value is more or less just grounded in optimism. So then hopefully that, that will reduce the likelihood of federal intervention in NFTs then at that point, since it's not technically quite as much of a threat to them. Yeah, I think... I think what would cause what the only things that would cause a lot of regulation is if you start seeing a lot of copyright infringement, uh, which is starting to be a problem. I, I know of a few lawsuits uh, where it's like a media company, let's say, had tried to like copyright an NFT that was an image from a movie. Well, does the actor own that or does the movie company own that? If it's the actor's likeness. So there are some intellectual property issues. I don't think that leads to direct regulation. I think that really just leads to like laws about it um, that explicitly say like, oh, if you do this and it's someone else's property and you sell it as an NFT, this is what happens. I think where you might see a lot of hands-on regulation is if it were to become something like a stock or like a security. Then I think the SEC would say, oh, this is within our jurisdiction because all these federal agencies like having the power to regulate because the power to regulate is the power to get funded and it gets your name out there in the news. It's great if you can be involved in more of these things. So if you look like a security and you smell like a security, the Security and Exchange Commission is going to say, that is a perfect thing for me to go regulate. And they're going to go do it. And that is going to be a much more active form of regulation. I'm just going to bring up what you said at the beginning of the conversation, which is like, if everybody decided that this was worth nothing, then it would be worth nothing. And that to me sounds really funny and also really scary. Even as someone who has no stake in NFTs, it's like everyone collectively is like, yeah, we're not going to pay anything for this. And then, you know, it, it, it all comes it all comes tumbling down. Since you're talking about regulations, I had a question about, we, we talked about how NFTs as the new kids on the block are catching a lot of heat um, for different reasons and also might be, you know, at risk of getting regulated. Would this like also affect the rest of the cryptocurrency market if it happened? Like will, will all of the heat that this is getting if, if, like um, eventually trickle down onto everything else? Yeah, um, I, I think it will. In fact, I think that cryptocurrency is probably the more logical place to start with any form of regulation because crypto is pretty much straight up treated as a stock, right? Like I'm buying Bitcoin or I'm buying Dogecoin because it's 25 cents and I expect it to be worth $4 one day. So if I spend a bunch of quarters on it now and I get back three quarters for every quarter I put on it, doing pretty well, I can retire young. Um, but that's the exact same thing you do with the stock. So to me, crypto is at risk of being regulated first. And once crypto is regulated, it is a short walk to regulating an NFT if you're using them the same way. Thank you. That's, that's, all, I, that's all I had on that. Um, got to say my piece on the environment too. So I was very happy about that. <laughs> all right, David. So cryptocurrencies, NFTs, new unregulated markets, these are scary, uncertain terms, but they're also very accessible. And that's why people like cryptocurrencies and NFTs, because they are something that it doesn't take, you know, like a significant hedge fund and type investment involvement. And because of like this more kind of democratic way of, you know, producing value in this stock market type environment. So how does someone go about getting in involved in these circles and understanding, you know, what's, you know, going to be worthwhile to, you know, purchase or collect? So I think um, 
Well, I think there are two scenarios for getting involved. There is someone who is already entrenched and involved in internet culture and sort of gets how all of this works. And there's someone who doesn't. So for the person who already understands sort of how all of this works, has a good sense of internet culture, I think the best way to get involved in the NFT market might be to create a few NFTs, put them in your virtual wallet, uh, maybe try to sell them at some point. I think that could be a great way to get involved. And I think what that does is it further defines the market as you would like it defined. It just adds more of that internet culture out there for people to buy. And maybe it's valuable, maybe it's not. But the more that you're creating, if you already know about it, the more you're going to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and hopefully you'll be able to work into something that is more monetarily valuable. Now, I'll switch gears. If let's say you don't really understand all this, this is all new, you barely know what a Bitcoin is, and now we're talking about non-fungible tokens, I think the way that you get involved is through something you do understand. So something like NBA Top Shots or like if some other blue chip company, like maybe a media company or the NFL or someone like that were to put out some NFTs that were like football highlights or movie clips or something you do understand, I would invest in those NFTs. And the reason that I would do it is that those are not true investments. You're not trying to sell them for millions of dollars on the internet. Instead, they're like trading cards and they are something that you can appreciate for the subject matter that exists. And that's how you're going to see that you can sort of get used to treating these things like a different form of collectible, like a virtual trading card. And then as you get more involved there, if you find out it's something you like, you're not going to have lost that much money in it at this point, because those are relatively cheap as NFTs go. Uh, but if you want to get more involved, then you can start getting more involved in internet culture, get a better sense of it, maybe start making some, maybe start branching out into different sorts of NFTs. Uh, and if it's not for you, at least you're not at a lot of money. Well, David, our final question for this interview is, do you have anything else that you'd like to add that we might not have gotten as much into as you would have liked or any final thoughts before we go on to our hot takes? I don't. I would just remind everyone that be cautious. NFTs are not the same as a cryptocurrency. So just because you see that Bitcoin's booming or other forms of crypto are booming does not mean that you should get into the NFT market. You should only get into the NFT market if you're truly interested in NFTs as a distinct thing from crypto. All right, we'll be right back with our hot takes. For our listeners, the hot takes today, since we haven't had any debate, we've just been soaking in David's brilliance uh, and learning a little bit, or at least I know I have today. So the hot takes might revolve around impressions of NFTs, likelihood to get into them, and just kind of your final thoughts. So first of all, thank you so much, David. Uh, I can't believe it's the first time that we've actually talked, even though we've been in the same city for like two years, but you know, pandemics are funny like that. Thank you so much for coming. I guess my takeaway is very similar to what it was before, except now that I have a bigger understanding of what NFTs are, now I know that I, I, I'm not going to touch them with a 10-foot pole, for sure. Uh, more, well, first, uh, financial basis, I don't even have enough money to get into them, but also uh, from an environmental basis, as someone who works in climate change and climate action, um, personally, I don't feel too comfortable with uh, touching anything like that, that might imply. I mean, I guess everything implies um, uh, harm to the environment. But at least for this, I will, well, I'll stay back and, and see how this unfolds. All right, David, I will echo what Marcelo said. Thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate your time. I know I certainly learned a lot. I was towards the end of the spectrum. I didn't know hardly anything. I've, I've heard NFTs uh, until someone said that they stand for non-fungible tokens. I didn't even know what they stood for. So that was my level of knowledge, and it has been greatly expanded today. My impression, I, I'm going to side with Marcelo. I, I really think that these are not something I'll be likely to get into. Uh, first of all, I, I, I don't have the money to throw around. Poor grad student right now. <laughs> uh, but also... 
Uh, I, I don't there's nothing that I, I really would be interested in as as a collectible of sorts yet. I'll be on the lookout. And also I'll take this time to plug our Instagram account, which went live yesterday, and I will be working on creating a blockchain for those first two posts. So uh hit me up. I'll give my listeners the Venmo so that they can start funding this show if they want to own an original audio, which was our second post, and an original uh, artwork. Uh <laughs> by one of our friends, uh, Monica Zetera. So uh, that that's my thoughts. I'm definitely on the uh, crypto NFT skeptical side of it, partly because as I think, David, as you've echoed uh, um, throughout this interview, there's this looming threat of the uh, Security and Exchange Commissions that I think is probably a necessary thing. Unregulated markets tend to do bad things. Um, and we've learned that, you know, throughout the time of regulating security, you know, why the SEC has to exist in the form it does. So I definitely think there's going to be like long-term shakeups that happen to them. I will say I was disappointed to learn that NFTs weren't even at least the slightest, but like environmentally better than the cryptocurrencies. I mean, a server farm is a server farm is a server farm, but I was at least hoping the lack of a um, a need to mine was going to produce some benefit to them. I'll also say from a kind of a economics point of view, I'm in just skeptical of a commodity that was what NFTs and cryptocurrencies, in my opinion, kind of function as when it exists only for its own sake. Like we've built our, you know, our commodity background on physical goods, and now we've gotten into digital commodities and it makes the already ethereal value of money um, even much more so. But yeah, again, thank you so much, David, for coming out. It was great to get to talk to you again. I haven't you know, seen you again since we you know, probably competed against each other in undergrad, um, probably like even at Carson Newman. So um, yeah, it's been great to have you here and thank you for your time. So for my impressions of NFTs, man, what a weird time we live in that we are talking about metadata being the thing that gives a piece of art value just existing as pixels on a screen. I don't know, just the whole thing blows me away, but... One of the things taking away from today, I never put two and two together that I could just straight up mint an NFT myself. I don't know. I've seen a video or two about them, read just a little bit in passing, but I was always under the impression like, oh, that's for the mega, mega internet culture computer people to devise their ways to put this on a blockchain. But I don't know from what you're saying, David, it sounds like it's a little more accessible than I thought at first. So with that being said, um, <laughs> I guess I could mint some really grainy, terrible SoundCloud files as um, NFTs and throw those out there for the public to consume. But uh, I don't think I'm going to get into NFTs anytime soon. It's kind of the same thing with crypto. I'm a little skeptical like everyone else is. If there's not a physical correspondent to the good itself, i with it being a good in and of itself, I'm I'm not so sure about it personally. So I guess for my final thoughts, I came into this knowing very little, and now I feel like I've learned quite a bit from this. So David, thank you so much for spending the time with us and sharing this with us and our listeners. I know I've got a lot to take away from this talk. So I'll open my final thought by saying I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. It's been great to see all these familiar faces again. Um, you know, I miss the days on the debate circuit, and it's, it's cool to see a few of you guys here. Austin, it was nice to meet you for the first time today. I guess my takeaway on NFTs, my, my first thought is don't get into it thinking that you're going to become an internet millionaire. There are those stories out there. I think those stories have been written. I think they're for the most part done. I think that to compare it to the GameStop stock, uh, your people who are going to get rich doing that, they've already gotten rich doing that. If you're getting into it, you're getting into a more established market um, and you should expect steadier rather than exponential growth. My other thing is that I think the success of NFTs long-term depends on their ability to draw in audiences who are not normally part of internet culture. Because I don't think that internet culture is big enough on its own to create a collectibles market that is going to demand a lot of capital. 
But I think that NFTs, if they're able to draw in things like sports fans, if they're able to draw in things like movie fans, mainstream music fans, that is when you're going to see if NFTs are going to exist. So if you're out there and you're thinking, how can I tell if this market's going to thrive? How can I tell if it's going to last long-term? That is the metric that I would look to to use. But yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a great time. Uh, also, I... I hope that I gave you guys some useful information today. I was shooting from the hip at times. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But but I hope I, I gave you all some good information today. All right. Well, David, thank you again so much for your time. And all right, I'm sure you all find yourself somewhere between the liars. Join us next week for more hot takes, information, and who knows who our next guest will be. We might even have David on again. All right. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.